Cyber Sermon 2 for Sunday the 29th of March Who has the last word? The following are the readings which form the basis of this sermon. Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 to 14 and John chapter 11 verses 1 to 45. Our scripture readings this morning may feel inappropriate considering the pandemic we are all facing individually, nationally and globally. We are consistently being advised of what restrictions we are required to undertake to stem the spread of the virus from person to person on a daily basis and in some cases within hours of an announcement being made. Many of us are probably experiencing information overload which is in no doubt increasing our anxiety even further as we look to those in authority to take the lead and offer us all reassurance. We read headlines about losing our freedom because we have not listened to the words of advice being given for our own well-being. It's interesting that in life there will be times when we will experience, as we are now, who will have the last word. Or to put it in another, in another way, when confronted by advice. We all experience at some point in our lives, when confronted by advice, who has the last word. When something terrible happens, we intuitively feel that this terrible something has had the last word. Life seems ruthlessly constricted. Hope is stifled. No time to come seems worthy of consideration. And what lies ahead is not sunrise, but sunset, an endless night. C.S. Lewis, in his book A Grief Observed, speaks freely of confessing his pain, rage and struggles to sustain his faith and in it he finds the way back to life. To quote, Grief is like a long valley, a winding valley where any bend may reveal a totally new landscape. Grief, as defined in the dictionary, speaks of misery, anguish, distress and agony, or trouble, annoyance, irritation, but to name a few. Therefore, grief can manifest itself in many forms, and we as human beings can experience these emotions in many different ways. It is not coincidental then that our two readings this morning draw upon this overwhelming sense of grief which we find in the raising of Lazarus and the words from the prophet Ezekiel. Both of these narratives reveal God's power. Both readings encapsulate the images and the meaning of both are stretched and strengthened. Ezekiel gazing out at the death valley covered by dry bones where his people had been driven into exile. Their connection with the land God had given them had been snapped like a twig. They may know whose they were, who they belonged to back in the good old days, but now they're not sure whose they are, living as aliens in a strange land hundreds of miles from the only home they had ever known. Exile feels to them a lot like death, a final death for them as a people. The spirits are as dry as bare as those bones lying in the valley. It is in this low ebb moment of deep despair that the Lord grabs at Ezekiel, takes him to the valley and shows him dry bones that get up and dance and an entire people lifted up and restored to life. The message of Ezekiel is quite clear to those who listen to him. Exile is not the end. 
the Lord brings his people back, even from beyond the boneyard of exile. Death Valley is not the final resting place, but just a station on the way. And so it happens. God's people make it through the exile. From when we are grieving, weary and lacking hope, it may feel like we are gazing onto a valley full of bones. A merciful God whose power is infinite, however, creates hope just when it is needed. It is easy that in death that we become overwhelmed by pain and grief. It is then that we need to retain our understanding of the Passover, Passover, keeping the resurrection in the same perspective as the cross. If we retain that insight, our inevitable human sadness will be tempted by the joy we experience in our faith and loving purposes of God. So we come to Lazarus, one of the most wonderful and most powerful passages within the Bible. What is striking from this passage is that God's ways are not our ways and his timings are not our timing. We are reminded of this in verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus, on hearing the news, does not hurry to the bedside of his dying friend. He sees into the circumstances of the death to the ending of the story. When Jesus finally travels to see his long-time friends, to share their grief and to reveal the glory of God, he does so even though the journey may prove dangerous to him. The time of waiting was vital. Jesus was needing to explore the Father's will in intimacy and union, which he often spoke of. Jesus then announced to his disciples he was returning to Bethany. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet, they, 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 then, and yet you are going back. Jesus sees beyond the present to the future where God's hand is at work and the word of the Lord does, does what is impossible. Mary and Martha had to watch their beloved Laz brother Lazarus die. So what was Jesus doing? Well, Jesus was praying. The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus sees beyond death, and with the same God-given vision, Ezekiel sees the bones coming to life again. Jesus, the prophet, who is hounded through the teaching and healing life, unappreciated in his hometown, derided and plotted against, grilled for healing on the Sabbath, drives his followers to gain a deeper understanding of God. The prophet Ezekiel, like Jesus, was not admired or flattered over. But he is guided by God's hand and the Spirit of the Lord into the place of grieving, the dusty valley where everything is desolation, the bones of God's beloved Israel, the lifeless shards of a ruined nation. Ezekiel is given, is given vision painted in stark terms with the dry bones and the assumption that all is lost. We too also know this place, but we often do not recognize it as it is inhabited by the Spirit and the hand of God. 
Jesus knew the presence of God's power in that place of grief, and his words of command is the provenance of utter confidence that nothing is impossible with God. The significance of this tragedy is to open the people's eyes and overturning their expectations that death is not the, not gain the final word in the person's life. It was not God's design, but God's will to use this opportunity to glorify his son. When Ezekiel pronounces the word of the Lord in obedience to God's command to prophecy, the bones rattle. Jesus in the same way that when Jesus cries, Lazarus, come out, the dead man rises. The word of the Lord is the force that brings life out of death in both the stories of the bones and of Lazarus. The Lord speaks and it comes to be. The universe, all that lives, came into existence by the power of God's word. Both the dry bones and Lazarus, the man has been dead for three days, hear and respond to the word of the Lord. He was the future bursting into the presence, a new creation, and in the resurrection has come forth from the end of time into the middle of time. God's future bursting forth into the present, into the mess and muddle of the world. The resurrection is not just a doctrine or a fact, future fact, but a person here and now standing in front of Martha for her to take a leap of faith, of trust and hope. Everything about Lazarus's death makes it impossible for his sisters and the gathered friends to imagine that he could walk out of the tomb when Jesus calls to him. The resurrection is of God's realm. It is not for our human being. It is not for a human being. The people who will be witness to the raising of Lazarus are given the ability to believe because Jesus does not do the easy thing. In other words, he doesn't stop bad things from happening, but Jesus does the hard thing, which is the reverse of destruction. In these unprecedented times that we find ourselves, Jesus does not hurry to be at our bedside as he was with Lazarus to nurse him back to health. He waits, takes his time. Many will ask, why does Jesus wait? I believe the answer can be found in the shortest verse of the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus feels the human emotion of loss and the grief that manifests itself within us. Jesus truly understands our human condition when going through the many difficult trials that we all experience and are experiencing right now. However, the message that I wish to share with you today is that the people and the crowds that gathered did not have to believe in order to make Lazarus' appearance possible. Human belief is not the source of the resurrection, but Jesus' oneness with the Father is the source of the resurrection. Jesus sees beyond death to God's infinitely greater power. He demonstrates with thanksgiving and authority that his vision is true. Through the such powerful events, the veracity of Jesus' vision is given to us. It is not something that we can come to with ready-made belief. 
Jesus instead creates the ability to believe by causing death to turn to life and those who watch and help and bind Lazarus are given the vision they needed. Jesus will meet our problems with the same new part of God's future. He will burst into your present, into our mess and grief. He will bring good news with hope and with new possibilities. And the key to all this, it is then and is now, is faith. Come and see, Jesus says, for at the heart of our Christian faith we lead him to the place of our deepest grief and sorrow. Come and see, is his reply, as he leads us through the sorrow to the place that now dwells in the light and love and the resurrection glory. There are many bindings, just like the ones that enshrouded Lazarus in our world, which seem impossible to untangle. And that, I expect, is how everyone is feeling right now. But we can be reassured that every day the word of the Lord will free somebody from those bindings. That is the message of this story. And we are left to wonder at Jesus' conviction about God's word that demonstrates the evidence of God making good from the destruction, na destructive nature that is all around us. Who then will have the last word? It is God. May God's peace be with you this day. Amen. Let us pray. There is no part of life you do not touch, O God, infusing your rich fragrance, gritty and real, getting in underneath the surface, drawing out and lifting up winding love around until defences are lo lowered, barriers broken down, and the power of your love reveals the beauty you intended for all your children. May our actions draw attention to you, to the richness you bring to all life and the abundance you share, setting the scene for us to share too. Help us to bring light into all the darkness of life, spreading hope for a better world, a world where justice is made real by your children living together in harmony. Unbind us from expectations. Give us strength to live through disappointments. Grant us courage to overcome obstacles. Fill us with your presence and make us living carriers of your love to others who need it. In a moment of silence, let us bring before God those people on our hearts at this time. Heavenly Father, through the death and resurrection of your Son, you rescue us from death and the grave. Restore us to life, so that we may serve you in the world. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>